Let us pray. Lord, we thank you that for this time that we have now in your presence. We thank you for the word which is about to be read. We ask that the word come alive for us today, that your Holy Spirit will transform the words, that they will be more than just ink on paper, but that they will penetrate our hearts, that they will reveal your truth and your message to us. Lord, we ask that your spirit descend upon us at this time and bless this time that we have together in your presence. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Please stand if you are able for the reading of the word. Contrary to what I placed in your bulletin, the scripture reading this morning comes from the book of Genesis, chapter 9, verses 1 through 17. And God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. The fear of you and the dread of you shall be upon every beast of the earth and upon every bird of the heavens, upon everything that creeps on the ground and all the fish of the sea. And to your hand they are delivered. Every moving thing that lives shall be food for you. And as I gave you the green plants, I give you everything. But you shall not eat flesh with its life, that is, its blood. And your life blood I will require a reckoning. From every beast I will require it, and from man. From this fellow man I will require a reckoning for the life of man. Whoever sheds the blood of man, by man shall his blood be shed. For God made man in his own image. And you, be fruitful and multiply, increase greatly on the earth, and multiply in it. Then God said to Noah and to his sons with him, Behold, I establish my covenant with you and your offspring after you, and with every living creature that is with you, the birds, the livestock, and every beast of the earth with you, as many as came out of the ark, it is for every beast of the earth. I establish my covenant with you that never again shall all flesh be cut off by the waters of the flood, and never again shall there be a flood to destroy the earth. And God said, This is the sign of the covenant that I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you. For all future generations, I have set my bow in the cloud, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. When I bring clouds over the earth and the bow is seen in the clouds, I will remember my covenant that is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh. And the water shall never again become a flood to destroy all flesh. When the bow is in the clouds, I will see it and remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is on the earth. God said to Noah, this is the sign of the covenant that I have established between me and all flesh that is on the earth. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Today we are beginning a a series on uh, some of the Old Testament covenants. Now I know some of you are uh, probably rolling your eyes at this point thinking, didn't we just spend a whole lot of time in 2015 methodically going through some obscure stuff of the Old Testament. And I know some of you are really happy to be back in the New Testament, which is where we've spent a lot of uh, time recently. But this is just a a four-week series, and and we're going to talk about the covenants God made in the Old Testament and how they still bring hope to us today 
and how they, uh, they still point to Christ and they still point to the gospel message. So for the next four weeks, we'll be looking at these covenants and, uh, and what they mean for us right now and what they mean for us uh, personally and individually as well. Obviously, today we're talking about this covenant that, that God made with Noah when they stepped off the ark and he put the rainbow in the sky and he said, this is my promise that I will never destroy the entire earth. Uh, and, and in a way, it was his way of saying, I'm not going to turn my back on humanity, even though things were bad, even though it was humanity's wickedness that had caused God to, to, uh, to bring the flood to earth. He is saying, never again, despite your wickedness, will I destroy the entire population like this. Will I destroy the entire earth? Now, we think of Noah and the ark, and, and it's a, uh, a nice story. And, and I think, unfortunately, it kind of gets reduced down to this, this cute little children's story. And you see this, nurseries will be painted with Noah and the ark and all the different animals and stuff. And it's, it's very nice and all. But if you really think about it, this is not a kid's story. This is not a kid-friendly story. This, this, is, this was a horrible tragedy. This was uh, the humanity was so wicked, was so uh, filled with sin that God said, I can't take it anymore. I, I, I'm about ready to just give up on this. And he spared Noah and his family, but everybody else was completely wiped off the face of the earth. There's a famous painting uh, of a, a family during the flood, and these children, there's two or three children up on a rock that is coming out of the, the sea. And the kids are up there trying to preserve their lives for just a few more minutes. And their parents are down below the rock with just their heads above the water, and they're reaching up for their children. And on the rock with their children is a tiger. And when you see this painting, it makes you realize what, what a terrible moment that must have been for all of humanity. But God spared Noah, and, and I want us to understand it's not because Noah was, was super holy. In fact, God says he had favor on Noah and on his sons. And, and that word favor is the same word that can be translated into grace. In other words, God had grace on Noah and on his family. And in doing so, he had grace on the entire human race. Because if he hadn't saved that family, none of us would be here now. God spared humanity through the ark. And then with the rainbow and with the covenant that we are talking about this morning, he says, I had a plan for humanity and I'm not going to abandon it. I'm not going to turn my back on humans completely. I'm not going to just wipe you off the face of the earth. God had a plan and that involved grace. Now, like I said, these, these covenants, they point to Christ in some way. And, and especially when we start talking about grace, we think of Jesus, the embodiment of grace. Because if, if creation was God's, the intent behind creation was God wanted to have fellowship and, and communion with human beings. He created human beings and he created all the earth to enjoy and for them to enjoy fellowship with him. That was the original intent. But our wickedness, our free will, our sin nature corrupted that. So the only way God could restore that back to the original intent was to redeem creation through salvation. And that's why the covenants in the Old Testament point to Jesus, because he was the point of salvation that redeems the original intent behind creation. 
You see, with God, history may be tweaked, it may be changed, it may be rearranged a little bit, but the end result is going to be the same. Because God has, is the beginning and he is the end. He has seen the beginning and the end. He knows how it's going to work out. And sometimes he may have to make some detours to get there, but he is going to get there. When I was in, in high school in geometry, I learned about point A and point B. And what's the quickest way to get from point A to point B? A straight line, right. Now, a straight line from, from alpha and omega, a straight line from the beginning of creation to the end where we are all before God on his throne praising him, a straight line would be great. But we, but we never have a straight line, do we? We never have a straight path. And it's because of our own sin nature. We get misdirected. We go off on these, these other ways. And through God's grace, he has to bring us back to where he envisions us going. Now, how is it that God knows how it's going to end? Well, when we talk about God being eternal, when we talk about him being the first and the last, the alpha and the omega, we know that he is outside of time. So he has foreseen all that is to happen. And he knows that when he created, this was his intent, and this is how it's going to be in the end. But he has to, to plan things. He has to rearrange things when our free will comes in and sort of cuts him off. And that's what happened with the flood. The wickedness was running so rampant on the earth that he had to do something to get humanity back on track. But he said, I'm not going to abandon you for good. I'm not going to turn my back completely on you. I'm not going to wipe this plan out because I have, I have foreseen, I have foreknown that, that there will be creation that worships me, that enjoys fellowship with me, that, that we have communion with each other. And that is the goal. That is my plan. I'm not going to, to change that. I'm not going to scrap it. And it's through his grace that he, he reconciles us. Now, uh, just as... Um, Noah was spared through God's grace. Like I said, we can also turn this on ourselves personally and see how in our lives we have also been spared through God's grace. The different times where we have let our sinfulness, where we have let our um, selfishness, our perversions uh, get us off track, get us off that straight line from point A to point B. And that's where God's grace comes in. If you have your Bible with you, turn to uh, the Gospel of John. Uh, this, this will come from John chapter 16, verses 20 through 23. Now today is uh, Mother's Day, so this, this verse, in a way, will, will have some, something to do with that. But today is also, according to church history, the day that we think about the Ascension of the Lord. It is Ascension Sunday. And so we think about Jesus ascending into heaven, and, and he's leaving his disciples, um, and, but he, he tells them, you know, he's, he's going to be coming back. Now, that's not what this passage is about. This passage is actually just before Jesus went to the cross. But the message is similar. He is telling them, you're going to grieve. You're going to be sad because you don't have me with you, but, but don't grieve because I will be back. And, 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 and your sorrow will, will turn into rejoicing. So, so look with me at John 16, uh, starting in verse 20. Truly, truly, I say to you, you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. rejoice. 
You will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn into joy. When a woman is giving birth, she has sorrow because her hour has come. But when she has delivered the baby, she no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a human being has been born into the world. So also you have sorrow now, but I will see you again, and your hearts will rejoice, and no one will take your joy from you. In that day you will ask nothing of me. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Now, a few things I want to say about this passage. First of all, like the covenant God made with Noah, this is a promise. Twice in this passage, Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you. That's that's covenant talk. That is promise speech. Jesus is promising something to his disciples and to us as we read it today. Jesus is promising, I'm going to be with you. There will be times where you feel alone, where you feel abandoned, where you feel afraid, where you don't feel me. You don't know that I'm there. But I'm here. And I will continue to keep coming back for you again and again and again. And when I do, all that sorrow that you feel, all that loneliness that you feel, it will be turned to joy. This is very similar to the promise that God made to Noah and to us. He's not going to abandon us. He's not going to turn his back on us, no matter how alone we feel. Now, I want you to think about how bleak things looked for Noah. Imagine that you are sitting on a boat and the whole earth is now an ocean. And you're just out there floating somewhere on it with nothing but your, your wife and your children and a whole bunch of animals. And you are just stuck there on that boat. And, and they were on there for hundreds of days, 150 days. They were on that boat just floating in the midst of an endless sea. Things had to feel pretty bleak to anyone on that boat. Now, there have been times in my life, and I'm, t- I'm sure that there have probably been times in your life where you have felt that sense of bleakness. You have felt that you were just floating on a sea of nothingness of darkness, of emptiness. You were alone. You were afraid. You couldn't see the future. You didn't see where there might be a future. But eventually the waters cleared. The waters cleared for Noah, and then God God put the promise in the sky and says, I will never abandon you. I've had a plan from the beginning, and you're part of it, and I'm going to stick with you. And he does the same thing for us. There's a phenomenon we call the dark night of the soul. And it's where you feel disconnected from God. Now sometimes we go through the dark night of the soul and it's our own fault through our own sin, our own uh, misdirections, whatever. We, We just sort of become disconnected from God. But sometimes it's through no fault of our own. It's just we have this sense that we are not in sync with God for whatever reason. And we can't put our finger on it. And that's, that's even more frustrating, frustrating because if you know that there's something you're doing wrong, you, you can try to work on that. You can confess that. You can work that out with God. But, but if, there's, if you feel like you're doing everything right and you're still, you just don't sense God there with you, that can be very depressing, very discouraging. And you can feel like Noah on that boat. You can feel like the storm's going all around you and you're just out there drifting with no vision of the future at all. But even when we feel that way, 
Even when we feel that immense and intense feeling of sorrow, God says, your sorrow will be turned to joy. I'm not going to abandon you. I have a plan for you. I have seen your beginning. I have seen the beginning of your life. And I have seen the end of your life. I have seen the beginning of creation. And I have seen the end in Revelation where everyone is gathered around the throne singing my praises. I have seen it all. And it's going to work out. It's going to happen because I will not turn my back on you. I will not abandon my plans. God has seen the beginning and the end. And he has a plan for all of creation, including me and including you. Yes, that plan will occasionally have to be tweaked, reworked a little bit, altered a little bit. But that's because of us. That's because we get off track. That's because we lose vision. That's because we become discouraged through our insecurities or whatever it may be. But we will never be abandoned At least not by God. It was God's grace that saved Noah and his family. And it's God's grace that saved all of humanity when he made that covenant in the sky. It was God's grace that allowed him to make that covenant with creation. But also that covenant through salvation and Jesus. And that should give us all hope. When we feel alone, when we feel that the presence of God has completely left us when we feel sorrowful and alienated, remember those words of Jesus. Your sorrow will be turned to joy. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you that no matter how bleak things look, no matter how dark our future may appear to be, no matter how alone and how discouraged we may feel, the reality is, You are there for us. You will not abandon us. You will not turn your back on us because you have had a plan from the beginning. And you see your plans through. Lord, you are not like us. You are not capable of breaking your promises. And we thank you for that. For you have promised us that you will return to us again and again through grace to redeem us as part of your creation. We thank you. We praise you. We love you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Our hymn of invitation this morning is hymn number 707, Hymn of Promise. Please stand if you are able and join us in singing hymn number 707. And if you've made a decision of any type today, I invite you and encourage you to come forward as we sing. Hymn number 707.